Okay, good. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 2, and we will start, uh, or we'll speak tonight on the second part of the series we started a couple weeks ago, talking about what it means to be a part of a body that's growing healthily in the Lord. We want to be uh, a people, a spiritual family that is living uh, together the way that the scripture identifies. And there are such beautiful thoughts about how the people of God are to, to interrelate and to function corporately throughout the New Testament. There's so much. And uh, I really want us to just take a look at these and then apply them to our, our lives and to us as a spiritual family. And so um, a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I used Philippians 2 kind of as our foundation verse. And let me go ahead and we'll read verse 2 through 4 from the New American Standard. And I'll just give a couple summary thoughts from that. And then we'll drill down on one of the particulars from that message. We'll, we'll explore it a little more deeply. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul speaking, he says, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Verse 3, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. When we were investigating this a few weeks ago, we pulled four thoughts from this in Philippians 1.27 and some other verses. And, and essentially, here's what we had. we had. Paul calls the church to be of one mind, to be of one purpose, to be of one love, and to be of one care. And that's just a a phrase that I use where he talks about caring for others above yourself. One care for one another is the idea. And uh, it's interesting. I was looking a little more deeply at uh, verse 2. And it, he says, uh, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. And then he says, maintaining the same love or having one love, united in spirit. And then in the New American Standard, it says, intent on one purpose but what's interesting is it's actually uh, the same word as mind that's used just uh, two phrases earlier in the same sentence. So we see same mind and intent on one purpose. It's actually purpose and mind are the same word. And so uh, the way that the language is, and I'm no Greek scholar, but he uses a different article. But he's emphasizing the idea of having one mind together in the body. And, um, and that's the one I want to focus on tonight, having one mind. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. At a glance, my first thoughts about being of one mind, well, that sounds fairly impossible. <laughs> because you've got, let's just take our local body, hundreds of people with different backgrounds, different opinions, different experiences, we're going to get everybody on the same page. All thinking the same thing. Whose job is that? <laughs> Not mine, because that's, that's just beyond human possibility. 
But when you go through and you, you realize there's this emphasis on having one mind in the body, that we're to have one mind together, the same mind or united in mind, one accord. There's different ways that he uses the phrases throughout the New Testament. You go, well, this is an emphasis that, that the Lord, uh, you know, he's not joking about. He's not kidding about. So, so then what's he really talking about? Does that mean we've all got to think exactly the same stuff? And I don't think it's that we're all robots. I don't think he's after that. Sort of just spitting out dun, 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 you know, the same things. And so I just, I just had to go, Lord, what are you doing here? Because one mind sounds nearly impossible. How do we get there? And, um, you know, when you see the, the emphasis through the New Testament, you find out that you and I, we are uh, united in spirit by the Holy Spirit. And that there's an activity of the Holy Spirit that brings us into corporate unity by revelation. And so what he's talking about is this. It's the unity of the Spirit that draws us into agreement in our minds. It draws us in our, in our souls. It draws us into agreement together in one mind by the Holy Spirit's direction. That's Jesus' desire for the church. That we would agree together toward the same purposes, with the same love, with the same care for one another, that we would all be on the same page. How? By the Holy Spirit. And so we get to this one mind reality by the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to talk about tonight is I want to talk about one mind, but I want to, I want to talk about it from the angle of how the Holy Spirit releases revelation to us to bring us into unity. And the critical uh, reality of the spirit of revelation in the midst of the body. That's what I want to deal with. The, the, the critical reality of the spirit of revelation in the midst of the body. Now that, I know at a glance, might sound a little bit, you know, mystical. A little ooh la 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 la. Spirit of revelation in the midst of the body, huh? Good. Unity by the Spirit. That sounds weird. But I'm going to do my best to wrap words around it. And, and just, I'll just say this. When you step back from the New Testament and you look at the explanation from Jesus all the way through, there is this understanding that by the Holy Spirit, we would come together through revelation bringing us together. In the Word and by the Spirit. It's the spirit of revelation and the spirit of prophecy resting on the people of God, and it unites us in faith. And so that's what I want to talk about, is the spirit of revelation resting on us. What it looks like to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation resting on the body, and and how that's supposed to play out. Now, uh, flip over with me to 1 John chapter 1. As it relates to body life in church... There are key components, critical components to fellowship. There's, there's love, there's service, there's giving, there's honor. All these things are critical. Humility, these are critical ingredients for us to be operating as a, as a healthy body together. But as critical as any of those, 
the spirit of revelation is as critical as any of those. As critical as any of those is the spirit of revelation. As critical as love is for the body to operate properly is the spirit of revelation functioning in our midst. And the emphasis is, is thorough throughout the New Testament. And so it's not often mentioned is the thing. Often when we talk about body life, we talk, well, you got to love each other. And I, and I, I emphasize that. we got to serve each other. we got to give and bless and honor. And, and we always emphasize these dynamics. But if we extract the Holy Spirit's activity in the midst of the believers, we, we do something to who we are as the church that was never intended. We take out the, the uh, spiritual dynamic that God wanted us to operate in. We, we take out the power dynamic and we turn into a civic club that does philanthropy. What we have to have is light and revelation in our midst, drawing us together in unity, in revelation of the word and the spirit of prophecy. So there's a, a, a corporate dynamic of, of revelation resting on us. It's the idea of being the light of the world. You know, Jesus, in Jesus, I'm just going to take a little side journey just to foundational thought. John 1, 4, Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then it goes on in John 1, and it says, he is the true light that gives light to every man, Jesus. And, and it talks about how the darkness could not overcome it, could not comprehend Jesus. His, he is light. Well, what does that mean? Jesus, in Jesus, is life, and that life was light. What it means is that there's living light that impacts human hearts. Just like there's living water that flows from the throne of God that's real, there's living light that flows from the face of Jesus. Okay? It's called the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. And those that are blinded, that don't know the Lord, they're blinded to the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus. But when the blinders come off and they see, they get converted. So when Jesus comes, he comes to give living light. It's not the light bulb light. It's not the sunlight. It's living light. It's this. It's when you're reading your Bible and you read the verse for the 101th time, 101st time, 101th time, and you go, you read it, you go, man, it's almost like somebody just put that verse in there, because I know I've read that passage 101th times, and I know it never said that before. Well, what happened to you? He put light on it. He put light on it. And it's living light. It's light you feel. You know what I'm talking about? You're reading the word and you go, oh, wow, that feels good. Why, when you read the Bible, does your heart get invigorated? Because there's living light coming off of it. Okay? And so that's the dynamic we're talking about, is being a body that together is experiencing the corporate dynamics of living light flowing through us. I'm not trying to be weird, new age, mystical, none of that. It's just what the Bible talks about. In him, in him was life, and that life was light. 
Okay, And he lights every man. There's so much light and darkness language in the New Testament. Jesus truly is light. And from his face comes light. And when we get to the age to come, guess what the whole earth is lit by? Jesus' face. This light thing is real. The living light thing is real. And you've experienced it. You just didn't know what it was. But those aha moments that blew your mind when you were reading the word or hearing a preacher, it was living light touching your soul. And you... Don't realize this, but you crave light. That desire for thrill and that desire for awe in your soul, that desire for shock, the greatest shock, the most awe you can experience is when living light impacts you and you see something of the mysteries of the uncreated God you've never seen before. See, that's what you're made for. You're made to encounter God. And God is infinite, and every attribute is infinite. So you're made to be blown away forever. That's living light hitting you. You and I are going to get our faces blown off with the revelation of God for infinity years, and we're going to like it. We're going to get blown away, and it's going to be light. It's going to be like drinking out of a fire hydrant, but it's going to be light that's alive coming out of the fire hydrant. We're going to get blown away, and we're going to come back the next day and go, more light, more light. He dwells in unapproachable. He's the light of the world, and guess what you are? The light of the world as well. Why? Because you have the spirit of him living on the inside of you. And he says, don't hide your light. Because revelation causes righteousness to to come out from you. He says, I want the world to see righteous works, and then they'll glorify God. But there are no works apart from living light impacting your soul. My point is this. Good works without the spirit of revelation on them make you a civic club. What's a civic club? The Boy Scouts. Or the Cancer Society. The church was never supposed to be a civic organization devoid of light. We were always supposed to be filled with living light, the spirit of revelation that blows people away. So when they get around you, they go, man, something's on your face. You go, that's light. I don't know. I don't see any shadows. Well, it's light. Because I've been feasting on the word of God, and the one who is light is inside of me. And I feel nuclear. You see what I'm saying? So this idea about fellowship. Now, here's where I'm, I'm using this to bring us back to what it means to be a body. The idea of fellowship was never supposed to be separate from the spirit of revelation. It was always supposed to be that we were yoked by the Spirit, having the mind of the Spirit, flowing in the Spirit of Revelation with one another. And then the corporate reality is that it's a compounded effect. What I mean is this. You, by yourself, at home, with your special candles, in your special room, with your special worship. I love what Melissa said. Everybody feels the Lord more like that. I get that. People go, I don't know if I want to come to the prayer room. and I got my special prayer room at home. All my sweet smells and candles, and I just got it just how I like it, and the lights are perfect, and my special prayer pillow. And when I'm in there, man, I feel the Lord. I bet you do feel the Lord, because you're not with five people that frustrate you, and the guy that sings off key, and the guy that shouts in tongues, and whatever. I get that. 
And we don't have special little prayer pillows for you here, but there is a corporate anointing you can't get in your prayer closet with your prayer pillow. And what it, what it is is this, the dynamic of living light that's flowing through multiple people. You can't get that at home. And watch this. 1 John 1, verse 3. It's amazing to me. I taught a whole series on community life and body life. I use this as the foundational text, and I missed the most important point. I'm going to give it to you tonight. Well, it's because I didn't have light. I read it again, and boom, light went on. Praise God. 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard, which uh, we declare to you. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So what I did when I was preaching this before is I said this. I said, well, we have fellowship with God the Father and His Son, and from there we have fellowship with one another. But that's not what it says. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. Seen and heard, that's the spirit of revelation. He was going to say a verse or two earlier, we, tell, we touched him and we held him, but they didn't know who they were touching and holding until the Holy Spirit revealed it to them. There's multiple verses throughout the Gospels that talked about, but these things they didn't understand because the Holy Spirit hadn't revealed it to them yet. They're having dinner with Jesus every night, and they're not quite clear on who he is. And then it's the road to Emmaus, and he starts unlocking their hearts. And then it's 50 days after the resurrection where he's explaining the kingdom to them and light is hitting them for the first time. He said, we saw him and we heard him, we touched him and we felt him and the spirit of revelation came on us and we comprehended him. And that which we've seen and heard, we now declare it to you and we're declaring to you the light that's hit us. And so now you and I, we have fellowship together and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Do you see the point? The point is, there is no fellowship without light. There is no fellowship without the spirit of revelation. You should have said amen right there. There's no fellowship without the seeing and the hearing and the declaring. Do you see it? That which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And this is how it works practically. You, with your home and your prayer pillow and your prayer closet, you got your Bible out, and you read the verse for the 101th time, and boom, light hits you. You go, man, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good, that's a special verse. If you're like me, you go, that's the best verse in the Bible. It's my favorite verse. As soon as light hits any of them, I'm like, that's my favorite. I have a favorite verse every day, like a new favorite verse. That's my favorite. Oh, that's my favorite. Anyway, light hits you, you go, oh. So good. I love that one. And you know, you'll, you'll walk around chewing on that one for a day or two. Or maybe all week. You're just like, man, that one's so good. I've been thinking about that Jesus, in him was life. And that life was light. Living light. I just, I go, oh man, what's living light? What's light that's not like this light? It's actually alive. Swirling, twirling, touching, feeling, tasting. You smell it. It's alive. You don't, you feel it. It's, it's, it's penetrating the heart. Anyway, I've been walking around that. Anyway, but you're doing that. You're doing that. You're, you're in your, you, got, you got your verse. You go, oh, man, so good. And then you run into somebody, and they go, 
and you go, man, I just got to share this one with you. Man, living light. Blah. And you, you share it with them. And they go, dude, I've been looking at the, that, almost those same verses. And they go, and this. So they, you share yours, and then they share theirs. And something goes, and what happens is this. Thoughts you did not have three seconds earlier now enter your mind. Because light begets light. Light, light, more light. You know what I'm talking about? And now, and this is how we all do it, we go, and this, and we share another thing, and we act like we already knew it, like from our study before, but we just got it in the moment. What's going on? Light is begetting light, and what are you doing? You're having fellowship. It's how it's supposed to be in the body, but there is no fellowship without the spirit of revelation, I promise you. There is no fellowship without the spirit of revelation. And you go, well, man, if I'm with another Christian, I mean, do I have to, like, always talk about the Bible? Well, no, you're actually with that other Christian because of this singular revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord. That's probably what drew you together to be with that person to begin with. So under that banner, there's plenty of things you can do. Like, the Bible definitely tells us to eat together. Hallelujah. Break bread together. The Bible's into food, food eating, all those things. It's into fasting too, feasting, fasting. We can do all that stuff together under the banner of Jesus. But what, if, what, what kind of blows my mind is when Christians get together in fellowship and they try to get as close to the line of how much world can we do, you know, and then chalk it up to grace. How much, like how much flesh can we do and it's still like legal, do you know what I'm talking about? And we're fellowshipping. No, I don't think that's what they had in mind in the New Testament. What I think that in mind was light touching your heart, light touching your friend's heart, and then when you guys get together, there's an explosion of light, more light, more light, more light, and all of a sudden you are edified because of the fellowship, the richness of light that you shared with one another. Have you ever had those conversations with a person and it's just alive, the whole conversation's alive, and you walk away 30, 45 minutes later, you go, man, that was like the best prayer time I've ever had. I mean, the conversation was so edifying and so life-giving. Why? Because you were feasting on light the whole time. Well, that's the rudiment of fellowship. There is no fellowship without the spirit of revelation. And so here's where I'm at. I want to be a people that are carnivorous for the spirit of revelation. That we would be so intense about getting revelation from the scripture that whenever we come together, you're full of light, you're full of light, you're full of light, you're full of light, and it just gets nuclear explosion revelation when we're together. This is what Paul was describing in 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go ahead and flip over there. See, I'm imagining an environment that's so full of light because the people of God are so alive in the spirit of revelation that when we come together, whatever darkness is happening, it's driven out. You know? The sick person walks in, there's light happening, there's faith happening, there's presence of God happening. They walk in, we don't even have to do the healing prayer because light drives out the darkness. 
You see what I'm saying? The worship is flowing off of a heart full of light. Singers full of light. They're singing the song of the Lord and it's blowing stuff off of people. The demonized person comes in the room and light is being released out of the worship team because they're full of light. They come together. Now we're experiencing worship in light, not just a song service, light going forth and demons are getting blown out of people who are getting delivered. Sick are getting healed. Demonized getting delivered. The unsaved guy walks in the room and is penetrated with light. I don't know what's going on in here, but God is real. They feel the conviction of God. Why? Because light is coming forth and filling the place. I love when I uh, have conversations with people that maybe haven't been to the prayer room and they're new and they just walk in. They go, man, I, feel, I felt something. I, go, I, I just felt something walk in there. <laughs> I mean, what'd you feel? I was good. I don't know. I felt, felt really good. I just feel it. I feel it. They, 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 like, especially an unsaved guy. They go, I feel it. I, I, feel the, I feel it, whatever it is. I feel that stuff. You're feeling light, man. That's light. You don't feel that in the club. You know, you don't feel that in your workplace. But man, if we could be a body that truly is operating in that dynamic of a corporate spirit of revelation, a spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation flowing hand in hand in our midst, light going off. The, I mean, the uninformed, the unsaved person comes in and boom, conviction hits them. Why? Because light is touching them. That's what I'm after. Oh, I want to be the light of the world like he said we're to be. You catch that, right? The church is to be light, salt and light. We have life that is light flowing in us, but so often we are so dull. and We look just like the world, and we extract the Holy Spirit, and we do good works without power and without revelation on it, and we're just like the Boy Scouts. I mean, I want to be good people, but I don't want to be just like the Boy Scouts. I mean, God bless the Boy Scouts. I'm not trying to bust on them. I want the spirit of revelation. Do you know what I'm saying? I want the spirit of revelation, not just on one guy. I want, you know, the preacher, the singer. I want it on all of us. This is available for all of us. Look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, the application of this is going to work primarily in our house churches, but it can work in our corporate worship environments just from the singing of songs together filled with light. Therefore, verse 23, therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? That verse used to drive me crazy because I just wanted to have a Holy Ghost time. I just want to do wild stuff in Jesus and... So what if we're shouting in tongues? Look, there's a place in our corporate gatherings for tongues, but what Paul is saying is this. If, uh, if an unbeliever or an unsaved guy comes in and all we do the whole time is shout in tongues at each other, dude's going to be like, what in the world is this? I mean, can you imagine the unsaved guy comes in and our greeter's at the front door? I mean, he'd be like, what the heck have I come to? He's just like, he's just like, Come on, guys, get this thing, you know, a little bit more focused than that. Because if all you do when you come together and everybody's speaking in tongues the whole time, ungifted and unbelievers, guys, they just think you're crazy. Okay, I hear you, Paul, I hear you. Verse 24, but look at this. But if all prophesy, 
He goes, he goes, just take that filling of the spirit that you got and direct it to the spirit of revelation. Get into the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. Because watch what happens. You just, you know, put the tongues on hold just for a sec. And you go after prophecy, and an unbeliever, an ungifted man enters. He is convicted by all, and he's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, that he'll fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. You know, I used to think that verse didn't fit either. I thought 23, you know, I don't get it, Paul. And then these two verses, I thought, well, that's just those churches. All they do is prophesy all the time. Everybody, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. I'm like, dude, the Lord didn't say all that. He just didn't. To stop. I, I love, uh, you know, churches that have gotten into, into prophecy real heavy, and then they bring it back, and they say, okay, you get one thus saith the Lord per year. You get one a year. Everything else is, it seems to me, I feel the Lord may be saying. Dial that thing down and humble yourself a little bit. So I thought, man, that verse seems a little odd, too. Everybody's going to prophesy to the guy, because that would be just as weird. The guy walks in the door, and you got 25 people mauling the guy with a thus saith. That would be bizarre. You know, first time visitor, thus saith the Lord. That would be so bizarre. But I think he is actually not talking about that. He's talking about the spirit of prophecy resting on the body. And what happens when everybody is flowing in the spirit of revelation, the spirit of prophecy is on us corporately, and the unsaved guy comes in, and what if three people he doesn't know give him spot-on words? Unrelated to each other, they just go, you know, I just want to share this. We felt like the Lord told me, da-da-da-da-da. He walks 10 feet, and the next person says the exact same thing. He's unsaved, but now he's gotten, his attention is peaked. And then, you know, an hour later, you know, end of the service, the guy comes up and goes, hey, I don't know. I've been praying for you the whole service. You just kind of on my mind. I just saw you, dude. I'm Billy, whatever. And I just felt like the Lord said, duh, duh, duh. Same thing as the other two. The guy would be like, what is going on in here right now? How do you guys know this? God's among us, man. There's light happening. There's light happening here. This is light. This is the spirit of prophecy. It's the testimony of Jesus. That is supposed to be in operation in the church. That's supposed to be where we're flowing. What do you mean? What I mean is we're supposed to be flowing in revelation to the extent that we're just full of light, guys. And that when somebody comes in that's, that's uninformed or unsaved, man, the light touches them in a big way. And they get, they get the revelation that Jesus is real. Just from coming in the environment. That's what Paul's describing. The word of the Lord goes forth. The person gets prophesied to. And they recognize God is real. Because the spirit of revelation that's moving in the midst. Man, this is, this is available for us. No, really. This is available for us. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be ooh la la la. It just, I mean, it's right there in the scripture. It's actually pretty simple and Paul is just giving a breakdown to the Corinthians, just do it this way. And so he goes, this guy's going to fall on his face and worship God and declare that God is certainly among you. He goes, what's the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. He goes, do them all and do them for edification. Now, the best opportunity for us to do that's in our house churches, you know, 30 or so people able to function together. But the point would be this. 
that when we, when we come together, we're all flowing in the spirit of revelation. Do you see that? He's not ta- talking about making up something off the top of your head. He's talking about having something flowing inside of you and something able to come, out, come forth from you that's heavenly. Does that make sense? Now watch this. Flip over with me to 2 Corinthians 3. Light. I want light. I want light. Oh, I can't decide if I want to go to Ephesians 4 or 2 Corinthians 3. Give me light, Lord. Let's go 2 Corinthians 3. So here's here's why I'm so... um, energetic about saying it's so available. 2 Corinthians 3 makes it evident. Verse 16. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I can't give a thorough teaching on these few verses, but I do want to emphasize this point. When somebody turns to the Lord, the veil that was blinding them is taken away. Okay? That means you and I, as believers... Our veil is removed. Before you got saved, you could not see truth. You couldn't comprehend truth. There was no way for you to digest truth because you had a veil that was blinding you. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 4 and talks about how the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, right? But when you turn to Jesus, he removes the veil and you're able to behold Jesus and the glory of the Lord, the depths of God. When you see glory, think depths. You're able to behold the depths of God. Now, you and I have this amazing gift in salvation called the removal of our veils. Think it through now. The unsaved world is walking around, veiled, they cannot see and comprehend truth, but you have your veil removed and you can see and comprehend truth. What an amazing gift. Well, it's this amazing. He's infinite. The mysteries are infinite. And every last one of them, every last one of them is designed to thrill your heart. It's designed to blow your mind. It's designed to nourish you for eternity. And you have a removed veil and access to inquire. That verse right there, it excites me and convicts me. Because I go, I'm pretty sure if I'm bored spiritually, it's not his fault. Probably has zero to do with whether or not he's boring. It probably has to do with whether or not I've chosen to take advantage of the access that I have. 
We are able to enter the throne room by a new and living way through the blood of Jesus. We have our veil removed. We're able to inquire. And we have the Holy Spirit, the teacher who teaches us all things on the inside. You're following me, right? And so we have this access to the mysteries of God that's profound. It's amazing. The question is, do we take advantage of the access that we have? And you go, well, Billy, man, I mean, I'm trying to read the Word. It's just a little dry. Okay, guess what? It's a little dry for me, too, sometimes. How many is it dry for occasionally? Just raise your hand. We see we have everybody in the room. It is dry for. I'm pretty sure if we stand before Jesus and we go, Lord, it's kind of dry. He's going to go, yeah, that didn't really work for me. I'm pretty sure he's going to say it doesn't really work because we have full access and we can ask for revelation. Here's the deal. When we're reading it, we have the access. Our veil is gone and we can ask for revelation. What we need him to do is just turn the light on. Just turn the light on Jesus. And I'll tell you, there are many, many mornings that I sit in this prayer room and I go, God, I can't live without the spirit of revelation on my heart. I will be dull and bored. I will break if I live without revelation on me. I I will just mess everything up. I need light. I'm made to be thrilled. Release revelation, Jesus. And that's what you do. You put yourself in front of the word, and when it's dull, you go, Jesus, I need light. Release light. Open the eyes of my heart and release light. And so with the access that we have and with the ability to ask for the spirit of revelation, we really don't have an excuse for living dull. I'm not trying to, you know, that's just the truth. There's mystery available. There is, I mean, incredible things available to us. And so we're to... Go after the knowledge of God to pursue revelation. Proverbs 2 tells us like we would, like we would pursue a buried treasure, hidden treasure. We go after light. We go after revelation in this manner. Now, here's the thing. Let's look at this final verse. There is a, uh, I'm going to give you two verses. Uh, two verses. Let me give you two verses. There is a corporate reality to the spirit of revelation that we must recognize that goes beyond just our individual experience. First verse, it'll come up on your screen. 1 Corinthians 2.16. This is important. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, We have the mind of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been taught and probably have taught that we're supposed to take this verse, and then when our mind is getting funky and we're getting bad thoughts, we go, I have the mind of Christ, I have the mind of Christ, I have the mind of Christ. Anybody ever done that? I don't think it's a bad thing to do. Uh, but did you ever feel underachieving? <laughs> if you got the mind of Christ, did you ever feel a little bit like, man, I'm, I'm saying it, the Bible says it, but I don't, I just, seems like he had a better mind than me. <laughs> I don't feel like I've got the full meal deal on the mind of Christ yet. 
The reason why is it's, not, it's because uh, none of us individually has the mind of Christ. It's we have the mind of Christ. The corporate dynamic of this, is that light hit y'all? Ooh, hey. That was really good. <laughs> the corporate dynamic of the spirit of revelation equals this, that together as a body, we have the mind of Christ. Together as a body, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Okay? I'm not saying that those verses don't apply to us individually. They do. But there is a much greater reality of it in the corporate dimension of it when we will all take ownership of this idea that the spirit of revelation is for all of us and that all of us together can operate in something far more powerful than any of us can operate in individually. Make sense? Last verse. John 16. Look at it again. I'm just driving this point home. And then we'll end. John 16, verse 12. Jesus, John, really John 13 through 17. You should make that a hobby of yours. It's an amazing set of teachings. Jesus is uncorking at the end of his life. Right there before he's about to go to the cross. Well, John 16, verse 12, here we go. He says, I still have many things to say to you. Who is he talking to right here? Disciples, plural, right? So what does that mean the you is? Plural, right? I have many things to say to you, but you, plural, cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you, plural, into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whenever he, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you, corporately, things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you, plural. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. You get it? We did this weird thing when we made in our churches, uh, we made clergy and laity. We took, we took 2% and said they're anointed, they got the word, and the 98%, y'all are all on the bench. And then what the 98% it did is we thought, well, man, those are the only guys that hear from God. And in certain environments, they were actually taught that way. Only this group can hear from God. Everybody else can't. That was never what he was talking about. He was actually talking about the body functioning together, coming into this idea of having one mind. How? By the Holy Spirit. How? Through the spirit of revelation. Unity of the spirit by the spirit of revelation and having a corporate anointing of light in our midst that expels darkness. A corporate anointing of revelation in our midst by which the Holy Spirit is able to bring us into unity and direct us together. There is no fellowship without the spirit of revelation. We must first see and then hear and then we have fellowship with each other. 
Does that make sense? The simple application is this. Well, what do I do with this? You read your Bible. No, really. You read your Bible, you pray, and you ask for light on your soul. And then, when you get a little light, you share it with somebody else. And you let light beget light. One of the most joyful experiences of my life has been spending long hours in prayer and in the Word and then coming together with other believers, sharing what I share, sharing what I experienced or heard or saw in the Word, and then they share something, and now new thoughts are arising. And then it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. I'm not talking about stuff that's not in the Word. I'm talking about light coming on us so we can comprehend the Word. Amen? Amen?